This episode of the Best Seeds Podcast is presented by LA Wine Fest. For tickets and information, go to LAWineFest.com. This episode of the Best Seeds Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 87 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality community from right here in Southern California to the rest of the state and beyond each and every episode. I'm your host, Croft McCarthy, founder of The Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to my friend, Allie Coyle, who provides music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. Or if you live here in Orange County where the show is recorded, you can check out any of her family's three restaurants, Fable and Spirit over in Newport Beach and Dublin for Gastropub and Wineworks for Everyone. Both of those are over in Mission Viejo. As a reminder, if you do enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review wherever you are listening to it. If you're on free feeds, share it on social. It helps other people find it. You can go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this. And do not forget that you can get early ad-free listening a week before the public by going to patreon.com forward slash thebestseats and signing up at a monthly amount that makes the most sense to you. That is also where you get access to the exclusive post show each and every episode. I think there's like 15 of them at this point, and they are fun. They're a little more off the rails, a little more candid, and it's even more inside into each and every guest. And my guest for this episode um, is someone that is very near and dear to my heart. This is kind of one of those beyond episodes. This person does not live in um, Orange County, let alone California. They are on the East Coast. So they hopped on a Zoom call because I figured with Mother's Day this weekend, uh, when this premieres on Patreon, depending on if you're listening to it after Mother's Day, if you're on free feeds or kind of whenever you're hearing this episode, uh, this was recorded right before Mother's Day. Uh, Mother's Day is a very, very big service for a lot of restaurants. It's a stressful service for chefs and servers, um, but it's a very special one to take family members out to. So I thought, what better guest than my own mother? The one and only Julia McCarthy, the queen herself, the woman who made me and raised me. And if you didn't know, really inspired me. Um, She's a big influence on why the best seeds got started and how the best seeds got started and kind of why I am the way I am and who I am. So I really thought this would be just kind of fun um, to get my mom on a Zoom call and talk about her experience, um, you know, all the years she spent as a flight attendant for Delta. She still works as a private flight attendant. So she has traveled the world. She has eaten a lot of amazing cuisine at a lot of amazing restaurants. And she's always been a big, big influence on me. She's someone that well, she's my mother, someone that I very much love and admire. Um, and I'm very proud to be her son. So I wanted everybody to kind of just take a week off from the chefs and the beverage directors. And if you're going to be with family this weekend, um, I just thought this would be a fun one. Um, I should mention, obviously, 
just like Father's Day or kind of any of these holidays that are meant to celebrate one individual in your life, there are people out there that don't have a mother in their life for whatever reason. Um, And I want you to know that I sympathize with that. You have my love and support. And I know that this can be a tough day for many people. So I do sympathize with that. Um, That being said, I hope you enjoy this episode. This was a very fun one. Um, Obviously a personal one for me. Um, But yeah, a little bit of a looser one as we welcome the guest for episode 87 of the Best Seats podcast, the woman who inspired the Best Seats, my mother, Julia McCarthy. Enjoy. Obviously a very special episode right before Mother's Day, a different kind of episode. Um, And I, when I was thinking about guests, uh, for anybody listening, I had a bunch of people lined up. There were a lot of job changes. This always happens in the spring. The couple of people I wanted to talk to were going off on different gigs. So I thought, well, you know what? Who am I going to interview? We're right before Mother's Day for everybody listening on Patreon. If you're on free feeds, it's just after Mother's Day. But I figured what better guest than my own mother. And normally most of these episodes, I have the guest introduce themselves, give it a little bit of your background. But I think I've already kind of spoiled it a little bit by saying who this is. So I guess I'll just jump right in by saying, Mom, how are you? I'm great, honey. How are you? I'm good. Obviously, we're doing this one over Zoom. Um, You're on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. But when I was thinking about Mother's Day and kind of how the best seats got started, it really started with kind of just my own passion for traveling and food and restaurants and just kind of really enjoying good experiences. And I got a lot of that from you. You're somebody that has traveled all over the world, um, either personally or through your career, um, years and years as a flight attendant, obviously still doing that on a private level. How did you get into traveling and kind of experiencing all these things that you introduced me to as a child? You know, I'm not really sure because I come from a real small town in West Texas. Um, but my father was in the air force and we moved a lot and we lived overseas and I kind of think that's how it started. And then of course I'm from the South and my grandmother and several of my aunts and cousins are wonderful cooks and just growing up with the food, but I love to travel and I always have, I've always wanted to travel. And so I've just been really fortunate to get to go to some fabulous places and eat at some wonderful restaurants. One of my fondest memories, and I think I talked about this way back in episode 50, where we kind of flipped the script and my friend Niaz went and interviewed me. And if you haven't listened to that one, anybody can go back and do that. Um, But he was asking me kind of some of my earliest memories of here in California and obviously coming out here and traveling um, and really just kind of being introduced to good food at an early age. I wanted to ask you as a mother with Mother's Day coming up, um, and I have a lot of friends that are mothers that listen how important is it, do you think, to bring children out kind of to restaurants kind of at an early age? I think it's really important. And I'm not a whole fan of that. Um, cook them, you know, hot dogs and mac and cheese. I think they need to get out and explore and know what great food is and learn some table manners from a real early age. I think it's good. Completely agree. And obviously it helped me. Um, I have a lot of very fond memories of watching the Food Network with you and, and kind of things like that. You kind of talked about, you know, growing up around a lot. Of, obviously, food is very, very important in Southern culture um, and important a lot across a lot of cultures. But specifically, kind of food for you and, and kind of restaurants and things like that, where did that kind of bug first bite you to be like, ooh, I like this. I want to go out. I want to experience more of these things. You know what? I think it was the first time I went overseas. Um, I think it was the first trip to London that started it. 
And then, of course, when I, once I hit France, it was all over. I was just hooked for life. And, you know, once you've been there and you've eaten that fabulous food and experienced that wonderful culture, it just lights a fire under you. And, you know, the Middle East was fabulous. I loved Cairo, Istanbul. I mean, it's just been great. But I, I don't know really where it started. I mean, I think once you've experienced some wonderful restaurants and you see the difference you know, in a really fabulous restaurant with great service and wonderful, innovative food, that it just makes you want to see more of it and explore. What are some of the, I mean, obviously we just mentioned some of the cities that you like, but kind of throughout, you know, your travels, what are some of the favorite places that you've hit in kind of either, not periods of time, but just kind of throughout all your travels, what are your, some of your favorite spots? Okay, well, I loved Istanbul and Turkey in general. Um, I'm a huge fan of Paris. I can't say anything bad about Paris. Um, I've been to some great restaurants in Long Island, Italian, of course, that are wonderful. Um, And, you know, there's great places in the city. Of course, I don't go in very often, but if I do, there's wonderful places. Um, And I love Lebanese food. I mean, I love it. So I had that in Paris. Um, And, you know, I think with this current job that I have on the private jet, I've gotten to experience so much more. And because I've been in charge of the menus since day one, I really had to um, up my game and really think about menu planning and food and being more creative and just kind of drawing on those past experiences. You know, it's just, it's been really fun so far. And I like food. I mean, I think you're probably a better cook than I am, but um, <laughs> I like it just as much as you do. Well, I, I learned from a good cook in you. So that's, <laughs> that's fair. That. <laughs> um, well, obviously we don't need to name the company. I want to respect their privacy, but you did mention you were in, you know, you flew for Delta for many, many years. We can mention them. They're fine. But I, I don't want to mention the, the name of the private group. Oh, no, I but now that you're doing actual menu planning for small kind of private jets, what's that challenge been like to, I mean, how much did all your travels previously help you in this kind of menu planning and things like that? Or what you oh, do now. I think it saved me because they have a very sophisticated palate and um, they've kind of given me free reign to do as I wish. Of course, I have all of their preferences in mind at all times, but um, I think the travel and just the general life experiences, you know, I think they really, they shape you and they mold you and they know that I'm not going to just serve them a turkey sandwich, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not what they're after. They're after more of a complete fine dining experience, you know, I think <laughs> so I have to work on that all the time. Now that things are kind of opening back up um, post 2020 and everything else, a lot of people are traveling. Um, I have friends that just got back from Ireland and I know a lot of people are getting back out into the world, um, whether it's Mexico, Italy, things like that. Uh, some places are obviously still tough to travel, but everybody's kind of getting back on airlines and it doesn't seem like a day can go by where airlines get any good piece of PR. What's it like to for someone who was in the industry kind of in its, not its prime, not kind of the Pan Am style years and stuff like that, but what's it like to have seen where airlines have gone now that everybody's getting back to traveling? Oh, it's so sad. You know, when I started, it was all about 
the service and making people feel welcome. I mean, there was always the safety element, of course, but now it's just one step short of being in prison. I think, you know, they're not very sociable and there is no service. I mean, it's just done a 180. And, you know, I travel, of course, all the time commercially too. And I don't know. I think if you're in business class, it's okay, but coach is pretty grim. It can be tough. I mean, especially it's, if you're on Spirit Airlines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. How has food changed on airlines throughout all this time? Oh. Well, I was going to say, how has food changed? There is no food nowadays, basically. Well, there is no food, yeah. I don't think. I mean, um, no, there is no food. You know, you just have to grab something at the airport. I mean, I, I do it because anything, I'll drive if it's under six hours. If it's over six, then of course I have to fly pretty much, but it's not, it's, I think the airlines are struggling and I think they ought to get back to a little bit of customer service. I mean, they might think about that. They don't have any right now. It might be something good to look into. (laughs) Just a thought. (laughs) Um, We mentioned that this episode is going to come out kind of right before Mother's Day. Mother's Day, historically, for people that work in restaurants, is a really, really difficult service to work. It's very demanding. You want everything to be perfect. Obviously, people are out with their mothers and you want to give them a fantastic day and a fantastic meal. It's normally a brunch service or at least around kind of that brunch lunch area. So there's a lot of dishes that can go wrong, whether it's eggs, Benedict, things like that. Um, As somebody who, and I wish you were here to do it this year, go out for Mother's Day. What are you you looking for in kind of a perfect Mother's Day out at a restaurant? Oh, you know, I'm not that fussy. I mean, it's just to be with your children, hopefully one of them. Um, And I'm fortunate enough that I get to go see your little brother Mm -hmm. and I'm coming to you next. Um, I love brunch. I love a great lunch, Um, a glass of champagne, maybe, or, you know, I'm, I'm pretty easygoing about that. And I'm very understanding of the service side of it. So I never get too demanding about that. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of talk about people who have been very demanding of people that work in the service industry. Uh, you know, being a flight attendant is essentially working in the service industry. You're just doing it at 35,000 feet. What's it like when you're out at a restaurant um, and you see a server having a hard time or something like that? You know, do you kind of sympathize with them, talk to them? I mean, you're, you're somebody who has a, a beautiful soul and is so empathetic towards other people. What is it like when you're kind of out and about at at restaurants, having a lunch or something like that, if you see somebody kind of in the weeds or, or having a tough time? Oh, you just want to go bless your heart and you want to get up there and help them, you know, and I am never uh, not sympathetic when I'm in a restaurant. I, I try to always be gracious and I would expect everybody else to be gracious too and shame on them, but they're not. Yeah. And my mom, I should mention for anybody listening who understands kind of Southern idioms, she means bless your heart in the nice way, not bless yes, your heart in the bad way. The tacky way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was growing up and I kind of mentioned this, we would kind of watch Food Network together. There wasn't really that many other food television options at the time. Uh, Bourdain hadn't really started a cook's tour or anything that he would evolve into, nor was there any of the plethora of kind of digital stuff that there is now. Um back in kind of the the heyday of Food Network when everybody was taking off and, and the kind of giants that are now, the Bobby Flays and stuff, were just making their names. Who were some of your favorite people to watch? Well, let me think. I loved Anthony Bourdain. I watched all of his shows. Um, I like Bobby Flay, okay. I'm not a big grill person, so, you know, that 
wasn't as cool for me. Um, I used to like Paula Dean before that um, unfortunate situation. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah where no one's allowed to like Paula Dean anymore. <laughs> there's no, there's no awful based on that. Yeah. Um, I don't, I can't, you know, oh, you know who I loved was Emerald. Remember from, mm-hmm. um, yep. you know, I loved him. I thought he was awesome. Um, you know, I don't know. That's all I watch these days is the food is the food network. I might as well just unplug all my other streaming services. Cause that's pretty much all I do is watch those. As somebody who kind of, you know, I, I grew a passion of cooking at home from watching you cook and things like that. Um, we talked about how important it is to kind of bring kids into restaurants. And I totally agree with you on that aspect. Uh, how important it is, do you think to get kids in the kitchen and cooking at home? I think it's great to get them in the kitchen. You know, I was not allowed in the kitchen when I was growing up pretty much because my grandmother, both my grandmothers who were both fabulous cooks, but they wanted to do it all themselves. And that was kind of their domain. I didn't really pick up my cooking skills until I was a little bit older. You know, I remember mother and daddy came to see me one time in college and they drove, Oh, Goodness gracious, they drove three hours to see me, and I was so proud I cooked a roast chicken, and I cooked it upside down. (laughs) (laughs) My dad looked at that, and he was just rolling his eyes. I'm sure they stopped for a burger on the way home, but they were very nice about it, you know. But I, I just did not know any kitchen skills, and I picked them up watching television. And do you remember I used to go to bed reading cookbooks at night? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's always, I, always I get that trait from you. My bed yep, I have a stack was, by my bed right now. I always I like cookbooks. I mean, I like the whole digital aspect of it, but I really like to read a great cookbook. Yeah, and I still do. I agree. I know. I'm yeah. also thinking that you said you cooked it upside down, and that was wrong. And now I'm thinking nowadays, I'm like, man, that might be better. You just inject more fat. Know. Like it's I don't fine. know. My mother looked at it. She's like, wait a minute, that doesn't look right. <laughs> It's just pitiful. I'm sure there's some recipe out there nowadays that actually tells you to do it upside down. Probably. I think I tried to do that with a turkey one Thanksgiving with your father. I I don't recall that it came out real well. I can't remember. (laughs) Um, You've always also been a fan of hosting kind of dinner parties at home and and things like that and having people over or going to dinner parties. And that was always something that I really drew a lot of inspiration from. I didn't know that it was inspiring until, you know, about two years into doing the best seats. But that's something that I've really been a fan of, you know, kind of dining in big groups like that, whether at home or out at a restaurant, it's kind of an anomaly nowadays. A lot of restaurants are hesitant to take large parties because if somebody doesn't show for a reservation, obviously they're out a bunch of seats. Um, And then just kind of the aspect of somebody being able to cook a lot of food at home and having a lot of people over is not something you see that often. Is that something that you kind of hope makes a big kind of resurgence is this kind of the dinner party kind of supper club atmosphere? Yes, I definitely hope so. I mean, um, in fact, I'm going to Fort Worth on Thursday to stay with my good friends, Robin and Mark, you know, and I'm sure we'll have dinner there and, Mm -hmm. and have a gathering and a get together with some of her family members, you know, hopefully Bill will come over and, and maybe Ann and Johnny's up here, so I won't see him. But, you know, that's been some of my best food is at dinner parties. Yeah. And it is so fun. I do love them. Well, it's time for a little commercial. Yeah. It's all too common that the best seats receives messages asking for recommendations. 
Where to go to lunch? Where's the best happy hour? Where should I get dinner? How should I spend my weekend? Well, one of the best ways that I can think of is drinking wine, being among friends, listening to music, and constantly having a smile on my face. That's why I'm excited to tell you about LA Wine Fest. The 17th annual LA Wine Fest presented by Hotel Maya, Water's Edge Winery, and Welks Resorts heads to Long Beach June 4th and 5th at Harry Bridges Memorial Park. Enjoy unlimited wine tastings for more than 50 award-winning wineries from around the globe, plus craft brews, hard ciders, and more. The Waterfront Park location provides a perfect space to taste wine, where live music, fun, and wine education all come together for a glorious two days. For tickets and more information, you can go to LAWineFest.com. I know that I'm going to go there and enjoy the heck out of it. I recommend you do the same. And once again, for tickets and information, that's LAWineFest.com. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potager comes in. Heirloom Potager designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef. Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloom potager. If you listen to the best seats at all or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms, it's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more, so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code THEBESTSEATS15, that's C-E-A-T-S, at checkout. Now it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by Amass 100%. They're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, Go to amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code THEBESTSEATS15 at checkout. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. So fun. I do love them. Um, what about attire? You know, the, the restaurants, I feel like when I was a kid, it was almost like church where you had to be formal. If you were going out, you were getting dressed up. And obviously there's different styles of restaurants and, and plenty of places that are beautifully casual and things like that. But there is kind of an overall, and maybe it's just a little bit of California and coming from the East Coast as well, but there does seem to be a little lack of formality too. Is there any part of you that hopes like 
because again, I guess it speaks back to being on airplanes also. You know, airplanes people used to get dressed up for, really dressed up for. And now it's almost who can be the most casual without just showing up in a garbage bag. There's nothing wrong with just a casual eatery. I love them. But do you kind of hope that there's a little bit of a return to formality? I kind of hope I never see somebody wear their pajamas out in public again. I see that all the time. They have on their pajama bottoms and their bedroom slippers. They might have solid soles, but still, they're still pajamas and bedroom slippers. I'm not a fan of that. Well, it's hard to be a fan of brunch and not see somebody hungover who didn't want to get dressed. <laughs> well, I sympathize with them on that you know, side of it. But, you know, come on, you could just put on a pair of jeans at least. I mean, you don't have to wear your pajamas. <laughs> Um, we talked a little bit about food. I want to talk about the liquid side of things, which is, you know, obviously spirits and, and wine and things like that. What do you like to drink when you go out and about whether kind of, how has your palate changed over the years with the different things you've experienced? Um, you know, when I first was going out, I had never had a drink until I went to college. So I would order whatever my date ordered. And if he ordered a scotch and water, I'd say, oh, I'll have one too, please. I almost died my freshman year in college trying to learn something else to drink other than beer or a scotch. <laughs> and I evolved into learning a little bit more. Um, and, you know, I like I love to try different cocktails. I love how restaurants have those cocktail menus, you know, and there's something always really cool on them. And I always want to try something new. Um, of course I like wine and, you know, champagne and, um, but I like, I like cocktails. I like to try new things. Mm -hmm. I love gin, you know, can't go wrong with gin or vodka. No. No, I don't think so at all. And I, I should say that I think the last time you were out here, we went down to Broadway and credit to the team down there. Obviously, anybody who listens to the show knows that that's one that's kind of right in my backyard. So I spent time there. But they, I remember, I think we went through about half the cocktail list that night, just trying different ones. Oh my ones gosh, and, that was so fun. And yep. their cocktails are awesome. And what's that ravioli he makes with the egg? Duck egg raviolo. Yep. Oh, that's to die for. Amar, if you're listening, don't ever take that off the menu. It's so yummy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, you mentioned that you like to try new cocktails and things. When it comes to food, you know, we kind of talked about how it's it's good to get kids off of just kind of the hot dogs and mac and cheese and have them try new things as adults. And especially the older people get, you see them really kind of settle in and they don't want to try new things. You know, people go to less restaurants. They only go to the restaurants that they kind of trust or that makes one specific dish. How important is it, do you think, for people to be willing to try things the more they get older? Oh, I think it's great. You have to try new things. I mean, I have to do it because I'm traveling so much. And a lot of times I'm going to places I've never been before. And so, you know, I just ask around and I, I look up things online and try to find, you know, like cool new restaurants and wonderful new chefs. And um, luckily the um, two gentlemen I work with are foodies too. And so we take turns picking the restaurants on where we're going to go. Um, and we have a list of favorites, of course, but we're always trying something new. I mean, I had never had Lebanese food before, but a friend of mine loves it. And so when we were in Paris, he's like, I really want Lebanese food. And I said, okay, well, I've never had it, but let's go. And it was great. It was wonderful. So yeah. now that's like a new favorite of mine. Yeah. I love Lebanese you know, food. I think you need to always experiment a little bit and try something new, except for, I will say, I don't eat sushi. I'm sorry. And I just cannot go there. I just, I don't know. It's a texture, I think. Um, and I'm not good with chopsticks, but I'm working on it. 
That's okay. It's good to keep trying. I am. The lady in Shanghai told me it was very, she said, you know, it's not very elegant to use a fork. And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm not great with chopsticks, but you know, I'm, I muddled through. It was fine. Um, I feel like your default answer to this next question is going to be Paris. So I'm going to take Paris off the board as an available answer. Um, as somebody who has traveled all over, seen a lot of different things, experienced a lot of different places, while people are getting back out um, and looking to travel, kind of like we talked about, where is somewhere, in your opinion, that is a must-go? And it doesn't have to be for food, it doesn't have to be for drinks, but just kind of that sense of travel and how travel changes you. What is somewhere that you think that you would personally recommend? Oh my goodness, I have to think about that for a second. You know, um, I think if you haven't traveled very much and you're looking for somewhere great to start with, I always say Ireland. Mm -hmm. People are lovely. It's absolutely beautiful. The food is good. Easy to get around. Yeah. It's easy to get around and it's just a great place to go. And it's so easy if you have not traveled a lot. I mean, London's always fun. Um, and let's see, I don't really have not really traveled that much in Italy. Um, I've only been to Rome and well, I went to Florence for a day, but um, I don't know. It's hard to say really one place. I've, I've been to so many great places. Um, Where was the best place you went to for shopping? Istanbul, hands down. Istanbul. Yes. No, okay. Oh my nice. goodness. Oh yeah. They have a market there. You have to get a guide. Otherwise you get lost. I love it. And it's fabulous. Um, with the advent of Airbnbs, um, kind of hotels, you know, things like that. Airbnbs are obviously a really big one for places overseas, especially. Um, do you still prefer a hotel or do you do Airbnbs when you travel? I mean, obviously when you travel corporate, you guys have a Marriott card. I know that, but if you're traveling personally, what would you do nowadays, a hotel or would you kind of rent your own place? If it's going to be for like a couple days, um, I like to look at Airbnbs. In fact, and we're thinking about doing that for our work side of it because we have trouble sometimes getting hotels in certain places because they're so tiny and there's not a lot of availability. I'm a big fan of Airbnbs and VRBOs. I like them. Um, I mean, we stay in a lot of hotels and so sometimes it's nice just to not stay in a hotel, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, if it's just me traveling by myself, then yes, I would look at Airbnbs for sure. Um, uh, what yeah. is, when you get home from a trip, um, what's the number one thing that you cook for yourself? What's your comfort meal? Okay. Well, first of all, when I get off of the trip, I don't want to look at food for quite a while because I've had to think <laughs> about it and I've had to cook it and I've had to serve it. And I'm like, oh my God, I just don't want to see any more food for a little bit. All I of my see, chef friends who are listening just completely identified. They're like, yep, uh, she you know knows what what's I up. When I, come, when I come home from a trip, I pour a glass of wine and I usually make myself a grilled cheese sandwich and some soup mm -hmm. or a, a ham sandwich or a BLT, something really basic because I, you know, like, yeah, that's what I do. I don't want to have to fuss with too much. And I never bring any catering home ever. After I've seen it on the airplane and cooked it. You don't want to see it again. Yep. No, I don't want to see it again. Yep. Mm -mm. All, all the chefs who listen to the show are yelling out their windows right now being like, we're not alone. Because I know for a fact I have a lot of friends that are the same way. They get yeah. done cooking. They get home. They're like, no, I don't cook for my wife or girlfriend. No, I don't cook for my boyfriend. Are you kidding me? I've been cooking all day. No, figure yes, it out. No, Here's a bag of popcorn. Good luck. Cook. You know, absolutely not. I come home and, and 
put something comfy on and uh, sit down and flip the TV on and, you know, that's Unwind. about it. Post shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, when you're out at a restaurant, um, what is your favorite dish? What is your kind of, what is one that will always, always scratch that itch if you need a great dish when you're out? Oh gosh, let me think about that. We know it's um, not sushi, so. Oh no, not sushi. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is about sushi I don't care for. Um, I love I love a souffle. Mm-hmm. That like I love a souffle of any kind. Um, I love any kind of fish dish. Usually, um, I don't usually order Italian a lot when I'm out, unless we're specifically going to like a certain restaurant in Long Island, and then I'll go there. Um, I'm trying to think. I love steak frites. Yeah. You know, with comp frites. I love that with a really nice, simple green salad. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always something good for me. Um, I'm kind of iffy on chicken sometimes. Um, well, yeah. I mean, when you cooked one upside down, we, we understand the pain. Yes. I know. So it's living, living a trauma. trauma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I cannot fry a chicken like my grandmother. I've tried every which way I've walked. You know, I used to watch her do it. I love fried chicken, but mine is just not as good as hers was. That's fair. There's something lost about generations like that. So, yeah, I think so. Well, Mom, I'm going to wrap this episode. I'm going to keep you around for a little quick fire uh, Patreon exclusive post show. So we will jump into that in a minute. But I just want to thank you for coming on the show. Zoom, I know you had to reset a password to do this and everybody can make jokes about technology and things like that. But I am so grateful to call you my mother. So grateful for the inspiration you've given me and what an inspiration you were in starting the best seats. And I hope that everybody who's listening kind of got a little bit of an insight more into Crawford and and kind of where I came from, because I am not me without this amazing woman on the other end of this microphone. Oh, you're so sweet. And I love you. Thank you. I love you too. I'm sorry we cannot be together this Mother's Day. Uh, For anybody listening, um, I hope you are having a great Mother's Day with your mother. If for some reason you know, that's more of a painful day for you. I wish you all the best and I'm sending you love to you and your family. But regardless, I hope everybody has a fantastic Mother's Day. Mom, again, we're going to keep you around for a post show, but I love you. Please be well. And I cannot wait to see you soon. I can't wait to see you either. And no camera. Don't turn the camera on. I promise. Don't worry. Post show is audio only. Thank you. Okay, good. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you, mom, for, well, first of all, figuring out Zoom because I know you had to reset a password before doing that. Thank you to everybody who is listening. Thank you to those of you that support so generously with your monthly pledge over on patreon.com forward slash the best seats from the $2 to the advertising budgets. All of you make this show possible. Uh, For those of you listening on free feeds, thank you as well. I could not do this without you. Don't forget that there is more content over at thebestseats.com. Thank you to the advertisers. Thank you to Allie Coyle again for the music. This show does not sound good as we approach episode 100 without her lending the beautiful music that you hear in the background and thank you once again to my mother Um, shout out to all the moms out there hope you if you're listening to this on patreon i hope you have an amazing mother's day if you're listening to this afterwards on free feeds i hope you had an amazing mother's day everybody be good we'll get back to it with the chefs and the rest of the renegades next week but for now love you be safe i'll see you soon take care The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. 
It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Shell McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Marito Norito, Sarah Hines, Subtle Bubbles, Jay Baker, Tim Swine, John Sanchez. Thank you for your support.